0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Empowerment for Immigrants Podcast. Today I have for you another very special treat, Rosie Polson She's an owner of Rosie Polson Enterprises and she's also your Medicare matchmaker. Rosie, sounds like you have two awesome careers. Tell us a little bit more about you. Where are you from? Obviously you're an immigrant. So where are you from? When did you come to the US? Well, first.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me to your your amazing show. And yes, I'm originally from Ecuador, South America. That is the country between Peru and Colombia. A lot of people think that that is in Africa, but it's not. It's South America, and we do speak Spanish there. Mm -hmm. I came into the United States uh, at the age of 17 in 1988. And ever since then, my family and I have settled and, uh yeah, it's been more than 30, this year I'll be celebrating 33 years here, and in 2000 I became a citizen of this amazing country. So, yeah, I'm grateful, and uh, I, I, I'm also for the American dream and becoming an American when I was a child, and I wanted to do that. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit more about that and, and the story that we will be sharing today. All right, so tell us, tell us the story.
0: What was the moment that you made the decision, hey, I want to live in the U.S.?
1: In my country, there was a lot of uh, people that, uh, well, boys used to play soccer. And and because it was not a ladylike sport, people kind of discouraged women from playing soccer. But I was a good, really good goalkeeper. So I think at the age of ten is when I had to kind of in my name be known in the in the world of soccer with my friends and stuff like that because you know, as a girl I wasn't allowed to play. One time um I was about ten years old and I came into the field and all my friends were playing with this blonde hair, green eye girl. Like she was part of the of the group forever. And I asked my friends like why do you guys have no problem playing with her? But when it's me, you guys always challenge me. He says, well, she's an American, and that's why we were able to play with her. And so I'm like, okay, I need to find out what is being being an American. Um, So I befriended her, um, and in my limited English, I understood that she and her family were missionaries from the United States. And that she mentioned that in America, girls can do anything they want to be or do. And same thing with the boys, but at that time in my 10 year old mind, that's what I understood. That was the way I was going to be able to play soccer without anybody giving me a hard time about it. So I run back to my house and I tell my mom, mom, I know how we're going to be, how I'm going to be able to play soccer and nobody's going to give me a hard time about it. My mom goes, how, honey, how? And I said, we'll have to move to America. We're going to have to meet this guy named Jesus and everything will be okay, mom. Everything will be okay. (laughs) So at that time, between, uh, the American dream and gospel, (laughs) I I knew that I wanted to be an American and that eventually I will get to know that I was just always been an American and just born in the wrong place at that time.
0: Tell me a little bit more, because you've added the guy named Jesus.
1: Like, <laughs>
0: how does Jesus play into the story?
1: Well, she was a missionary from, from the United States, and part of the story is that their uh, family went to my native country to, uh, to share the gospel with all of us. Uh, and that's when she talks about Jesus back then. So at age 12, I visited the United States. My parents, with a lot of effort, gave me a trip. Because in our countries, and I don't know, and in your country, it's the same. But when you go you go to elementary schools until sixth grade, seventh grade, which in here is middle school, is where you go to high school pretty much in Ecuador. So when you go from oh. elementary school to high school, it's a very big deal. So my parents uh-huh. would have a lot of effort to reward me for that they uh bought me a ticket to come to the United States. So we visited Manhattan. We went to Miami. But me being in the middle of uh, Manhattan and just feeling the whole energy of the city and the buzzing and everything, I remember, I know, I know this is where I belong. And part of the thing is, remember, I spoke Spanish. I did not speak English at that time. But and within three days I was able to communicate with people. I was able to be in the subway and knew like the whole subway system. It was kinda like it just became natural in me. We stay here for about a month when I was twelve and on my way back, this is what I tell people about your mindset. It's so important. But on my way back, I remember crying but saying to myself and saying to America, America, you have not heard the the end of Rosie. I'll be back. I don't know how, I don't know where, but I'll be back. So from age 12 to age 17, which is when I came to the United States, it was five years of every single day either testering my parents, even preparing myself to learn English, you know, because I was moving to America. I was not going to stay in Ecuador. I was not marrying an Ecuadorian. I was just going to move to America. And at 817, my sister and I were the first ones to arrive. Um, My family, there's five of us. So we kind of split up in little, in three sections. So my sister and I came first. My dad came later. My brother came after that. And then my mom was the last one to to come to the United States. But then in 1989, we all moved to Tampa, Florida, and I've been here ever since. So, you know, it's just been a, a blessing to me as a naturalized American to see where my country can get if we just encourage the American dream. And more than anything, too, is how much the immigrants are part of making this economy thrive.
0: Let's yeah, talk about this a little bit more. Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, let me give you some statistics because this, this, uh, it will help you a little bit. But 70% of the economy of the United States is run by small businesses. Well, small businesses are run, most of them, by immigrants. And people don't understand that. Yes, there are Americans that have their businesses, but the majority of small businesses, small to medium sized businesses, are owned by minorities. And then if we can go a little bit deeper uh, and a little bit specific, let's say, in the state of Florida, 30% of the business, the small business of the state of Florida, are owned by Hispanics. And then out of those 30%, 53% are owned by Hispanic women. In the 2020 administration, Hispanic women Were the block of businesses the black that were starting businesses faster than anybody else out there? So there was a couple of initiatives like uh, the Global Women International Initiative that was even not only helping women here in the United States but globally to become entrepreneurs. So. This is the best, one of the best times to be an entrepreneur, because if you understand your purpose and what you were created to be, and you do that for a living, the end result is priceless, like the Discover card, because that's where you get your energy so you can have, build resilience and do it every single day. Because you love what you do, not because of the money, but because it's your calling, it's your purpose, it's your why.
0: Yes, I totally agree with you on that one. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur here in the U.S. Did you
1: immediately
0: go into being a business owner or what what did you do?
1: Well, I had two businesses in my life. I mean, not business, but two careers, I would say. Um, the first one I was a business travel for American Express and um, I worked in a call center for about 10 years. My daughter at that time, Tabitha, I have two children, Stephen who is now 27, Tabitha who's now 30. At that time Tabitha was about 14, 15 and she started struggling at school a lot with disciplinary problems and things like that. So really what she needed, she needed me and I had to make the decision, do I want to help my daughter be successful or do I stay at my job? So I put my two-week notice for my uh, job, and I stay home with her for a little bit until she was able to understand what was happening with her struggles. So when I came back into the world looking for a job, I realized that I really did not want to go back to a call center, and I wanted to honestly help people. That's what my first thing was. I wanted to be able to speak Spanish because at that time I wasn't speaking Spanish. I wanted to share the story because at that time is what I really reconnected with the Lord and I surrendered myself and and became a Christian. And the last thing I, I asked, this was one of the first prayers that I did to God and about my job. I said, please God, whatever you do, don't make me a salesperson because my family all came from a nine to five job. Nobody was an entrepreneur, everybody had, everybody was an employee of somebody. Nobody, you know, like not having a nine to five, not knowing what you're going to do. It was a taboo. Nobody spoke about being an entrepreneur. That was not a word that was ever mentioned in my childhood. Mm -hmm. When I... It went into the workforce and there was this uh, opening for Humana Healthcare. And I said, well, insurance, I mean, what is can what can it be bad about this? It's another type of call center. So when I started, I had to get my insurance license, which I did. But then I realized that it was the call center life, but it was also the outside where you go to people's home and when you talk to people. And at that time, they were needing a lot, a lot of the uh bilingual community was being uh served because there was not enough Asians that spoke Spanish. So I started like that. And um I remember uh when I um went to work in the field so in the call center, it was called Net Park, but in the field, it was called Market Point. When I went to work for him at a Market Point, one of the first things, because you don't know, you know, I, I didn't know where to start, I joined this group called BNI, and I got invited there. And I remember sitting down around all this amazing, about 30 people with all their professions, and then I said, oh my God, I need that, oh my God, I need that. And I just felt completely at home. But then somebody says, I do health insurance. So I felt that I wasn't able to join that group because, you know, health insurance. But somebody said to me, well, your niche is specifically to Medicare. And at that point is when I understood that, yes, although I was doing health insurance, my niche was Medicare and not too many people were savvy on the industry. So I just became a wealth of knowledge. Anything that I could learn about Medicare, I learned. And I learned the Medicare side of it, the insurance side of it, the doctor side of it, and the patient side of it. And because I don't do anything else other than that, I consider myself an expert. And that's why I call myself the Medicare matchmaker. Because the one thing that happens when this Medicare Advantage plan or so Medicare Supplementals do not work is because the person was matched with the wrong plan. And that is, <laughs> that's what I say, I'm successful because I will match the plan with the person and it's kind of like a marriage. And if everything works, the marriage lasts forever and they're happy But then if there's concerns in the marriage or something is happening and there's like a little rough spot, I can always come back because the relationship with my client is uh, long-lasting and we can review the policy and we can see, well, maybe a situation in your marriage changed. So we need some counseling and now we need another policy, a different policy per se. And uh, Mm -hmm. it has been very fun because I have helped so many people But the one thing I understood, it was never about the money. It was always about the serving others, helping others, and do it because I feel good when I do it, you know, because of integrity and because I feel that I'm making an impact in my community.
0: Yes, and you are, right? And, like, recognizing that you're doing that is what keeps you going. But, you know, you make it sound so easy, Rosie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah i just found this career and I'm, obviously it sounds like an absolutely perfect career for you perfect timing and the market actually needing more mm-hmm. spanish speakers right and you're willing to learn it all of that
1: yeah did you yeah
0: yeah were there any challenges
1: yes uh so one of the first challenges when i share is for example one um the biggest one was to understand the government, right? So the the United States is a country of rules and regulations. That's why we have a government and we have elected officials. Now, when you don't, when you um, are a naturalized citizen, you don't go to school to to learn the basic of government. Because elementary school give you some government history and then um, depending in high school, they give you some of more of a civics uh, classes. So if you have not attended school in the United States, then you really are not familiar of how the government works here. And why is the government important? is because while we as employees or as business owners are working on our business, there are laws being passed that affect direct or indirect your business. And if you're not aware of that, then somebody else is making decisions for your business. But learning and understanding that, that was the biggest challenge. If there's a challenge, I want to find a solution. And after talking to a lot of people, that's when I understood that my problem was that I was lacking civics 101 for uh, the United States. So I remember having a lady that visited a Chamber of Commerce that I founded at that time, and she was county clerk of Pasco County. And I was mentioning to her that I'm I'm still having the struggle with understanding what is Congress, what is Senate, what is local, what is national. And she mentioned, oh, that is a a class that I give in elementary school. It's called Civics uh, Government 101, and it teaches you how to pass the bills and stuff like that. And I remember saying to her, will you do me a favor and can you get that same class but into like an adult version of it and teach it to our international entrepreneurs? And we founded that as part of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and she will come every six months and give that class again. And many of us understood Oh, my God, you know, I was trying to do this, but no wonder it was not working in this side of the government because the one that is in charge of that is this other side of the government. So just seeing those aha moments, empowering people to understand that you can, that your voice can be heard and that that will protect your business, and your family, and all the efforts that you're putting in, that was one of those challenges that we were able to equip international entrepreneurs to be able to be successful.
0: That's yeah. and I, mean, I had no idea you were part of something so, so <laughs> yeah. big. And yet, I mean, it's so basic, right? And yet, I'm thinking how many other groups are not being taught these basic I mean, when you pass, you know, your test to become a citizen, you learn quite a bit. And that's a very, very good thing. I'm I'm mm-hmm. very grateful that I was kind of forced to learn mm-hmm. those things, right? Mm-hmm. But still, that's very basic. If you mm-hmm. are an entrepreneur, like you said, there are laws that are being passed, and we need to be educated on all of this stuff. Tell me, how long have you been in business altogether? How many years have you been an entrepreneur?
1: So, my Medicare business, I started in 2009, and I did, with that business, I did everything that was not supposed to be done, right? I did it incorrectly, and I learned from it. But in 2015, I also founded Rosie Folsom Enterprises, and the Enterprises is where I use my skills and my knowledge of owning the business for so long and the connections and my resources to teach business owners how to... A lot of business development and becoming the best entrepreneurs they can be while living their best life and having a thriving, successful, and profitable business. Because at the end of the day, you do want to make sure you have a profitable business because that's what you call yourself a business owner, right? But at the same time, you want to make sure that your family is taken care of, that your children are fulfilled. Your husband and we, you and I, talked about this, making sure that you don't get divorced in the process of becoming an entrepreneur because that happens a lot to many entrepreneurs. In 2015 is when I found the Rosie Boston Enterprises, but now I've learned from all the mistakes that I had from my business mates. Yeah, so this year will be twelve years that I've been in business. So, yeah, so it's, it's been mm-hmm. super exciting. And wh- another thing that I do want to share with uh, your listeners is that my blessing, my biggest blessing was that I always had great mentors in my life. As a mentee, one of the things that I learned to do is, first of all, like become their shadow, right? And listen and, and like in a sponge like suck everything that they taught me. One of the things that they always told me is that if I want to aim farther than where they have arrived, I've always had to view the vision from their shoulders because you aim, and this is the analogy, you aim to the sun, but if you make it to the moon, you still have make it very far. You know, but you aim to the sun. So even if you fall short, you're still going to be in the moon. Yeah. So that's that's the things that I uh, tell people. And it is a blessing to me now with those people and enterprises that I can give back to my community all the resources that my mentors gave to me because now I mentor somebody else. Yeah. So
0: as you're working with different business owners, what is the one thing that it seems like everybody is struggling with?
1: Time management. Uh Time management. Because when you are a first entrepreneur, first of all, you want to say yes to everything. But in order for you to be able to say uh, yes to everything, you actually have to say no to a lot of stuff. And you have to have your priorities correct because you have the same 24 hours as I have. Whoever successful person that you follow in your life have the same 24 hours that you and I have. However, what how they use those 24 hours in their routine or their habits or their discipline is what makes the difference. Like I always tell people, do you know that Mark Zuckerberg, right? The guy from Facebook. You will always recognize him because he wears jeans, a gray t-shirt and a black pair of Vans or whatever. Because in the morning, he doesn't want to waste his time thinking what he's going to wear. So he wears the same thing over and over and over, right? Mm So he doesn't want to think about wearing something, right? I I don't know about you, but when I'm going to put a dress on, it will take me about 10 minutes kind of figuring out, should I try this on to us? You know, those are 10 (laughs) minutes he doesn't have to worry about
0: Right. You always saw Steve Jobs wearing his black pistol neck for the same reason, because there's the decision exhaustion and yes. it takes a lot of energy, right? To make a decision. This is why these guys at the very, very top, they've learned the basics of energy management. Okay. So tell us really quickly what it is that you specifically help with and in both of your businesses where my listeners can find you. On the web, how they can contact you. Tell us all of that,
1: please. Yes. Well, first of all, um, in 2020, I wrote the book called Nyeke, The Mindset to Get What You Want. And Nieke is a Kichua word that literally translates to grit. And, um, for the four components to achieve Nyeke, which all of us have is purpose, persistence, persevere, and pivot. Once you hone your skills on your own neck, because we all have it, it's just in a different in a different way for tailored to each of us because we created, we all are not created equal. We all unique, right? And we are meant to um fulfill our purpose that only we can do, right? Um so with this book, Nieke, that's what I do. I help business owners and entrepreneurs to write their happy success story. While running a thriving, successful, and profitable business. And people can find me on my website, rosypolson.com. www.rosypolson.com. Um, my email is rosy at rosypolson.com. And my phone number, you can always text me, 813-909-6965. 813-909-6965. And the beauty of all this, you know, with with the pandemic is that uh, we can do virtual stuff now internationally, which I never really put that part in my business plan because I always thought that the most I will ever go in my business will be Ecuador to go back and visit my family and stuff. But after the pandemic, I have even become an international speaker um because um there are many platforms now of uh hosts that host international events and they're all virtually. So there are people in South Africa, South America, Middle East, the United States, and we all in this platform just teaching our um uh or sharing our knowledge with people that are looking. Um, to learn and improve their own skills. Um, So, you know, people can find me uh, if they need questions answered about their Medicare options, but also if they want to build a thriving, successful, and profitable business.
0: Fantastic. And, you know, I will make sure to add all the links Mm -hmm.
1: to your
0: email and your website um, in the podcast description. So for all the listeners, you can just look right in the description of the podcast and you will find all that information there. Listen, Rosie, your life is such a beautiful example of what happens when someone has this grit (laughs) and and has a very clear purpose. I love hearing that you fell in love with America and that Mm -hmm. you were so determined and that, you know, your family understood that and they came with you. You know, the wisdom that you have gained, right? All that Mm -hmm. wisdom that you have written in your book and um, that you share now with people, that came with experience, I'm sure, with many, many difficult moments. Yes. But you didn't give up. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom here. Mm -hmm. You're such an inspiration. You really are a big inspiration to so many women. I can see why you shine so brightly, you know, because there's this energy that you give away and then also what comes back to you for being Mm -hmm. such a big... Yeah, no, I so
1: really much. mean it. I, I really appreciate it, and I'll, I'll take it. I receive it with all my you know, all my heart. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cause I You're really very welcome. I love that. that I, I want to help people as much as I can.
0: So you are an incredible source of knowledge, and I would love to have you come back. But, so this is our first episode of Rosie, everybody. <laughs> Rosie 101 today. We'll have her back on. Well, thank you so much, Rosie. I'm looking forward to our conversations in the future. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you want to contact back early, just look in the description of the podcast, and um, we'll talk again soon. Bye.